Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's The Con Guy. Welcome to The Con Show, your home for news and insider opinions from the world of Comic-Con, fandom, and pop culture. This week is a special Memorial Day show with a panel of veterans who are also comic book and science fiction aficionados. And before we go any further, I want to specify, we do know the difference between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Um, and even though all of us here on this show are still alive, um, we do want to- you mean Veterans Day, dude. Before Memorial Day. What's that? <laughs> Thank you, Veterans, veterans Day. day. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not Labor Day. I know, sorry. I said the wrong <laughs> thing. Thank you. Live show. But you know the difference between that too. <laughs> we know, yeah, that too. Um, I do, I promise, even though I say the wrong things. We know the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Typically, Veterans Day is the idea of honoring people who are alive the idea of remembering those who did pay the ultimate sacrifice, um, which we do want to pay homage in that way today. But um, we're also, we've also just gathered people, some from each branch of the military, um, except the Coast Guard, I think. Everybody but the Coast Guard. But we've got, <laughs> we've got several guys here who work, in, um, who work in the entertainment industry and those who are huge fans, uh, people who frequent conventions. And we just want to have a great time talking about what it's like to be in the military and be a geek at the same time. So uh, first off, our buddy Tom Parham, who's a regular guest on the Con Guy Show, is going to take it away here. Tom. Thanks, Derek. So I'm Tom Parham. I think photo one is a picture of me back when I was at the Naval Academy. Ironically, today is the 35th anniversary of my graduation and commissioning, which is scary because I don't feel that old, but I am. So deal with it. <laughs> I'm talking to myself about that. Uh, we'll have some really cool guests from across the country. Uh, I want to introduce my buddy Ned Cox, who is an Army vet. Ned, what was your MOS? Um, I commissioned as an ordnance officer, so uh, logistics, um, and uh, that was uh, 2006, and I did four years uh, active, 14-month um, deployment to Iraq, spent most of my uh, stateside time around uh, uh, Fort Hood, and uh, two years reserve after that. Cool. Josh, you're yep. an Air Force guy. Yep, I was. From uh, 2011 to 2015, I was a security forces the full time. I was a station over in uh, Clovis, New Mexico. Not the greatest of places, but it did. It was it was fun. I met really good people. I got to travel around. Never got deployed because I got hurt right before. But in about 2015, I got out. Cool. Um, our friend Bob Mask is having some internet connectivity issues, but let's move on to two of our ringers. First, we have Ralph Love, who's also an Army veteran. And Ralph, you, aside from serving in the Army, you also have worked production in Hollywood. You made board costumes for Star Trek VIII. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I'm in, I'm Army as well. Um, I came in as a 35 Fox uh, Intel guy and then uh, reclassed to PSYOP where I met Derek and we're in the same unit together. Um, yeah, I, uh, I uh, used to do, I mean, it's like kind of <laughs> like a past life it feels like now, but back in the, like the mid nineties through like early 2000-ish, I, I used to do uh, special makeup effects. I was primarily like a lab tech guy. I'd do a lot of mold making and fabrication. And the, the Star Trek movie, I fabricated a lot of the background or I think I, all of the background um, board suits. I worked for a guy named Todd Masters who did all the board stuff for that movie. 
Cool. I see Bob is back. Yay. Bob, I am sorry. What, what was your MLS, Bob? Actually, uh, I, I actually uh, got commissioned through uh, ROTC out of Sam Houston State University, go Bearcats, and uh, originally was branched armor and then ended up transferring. Uh, I'm sorry, originally ended up or originally was branched infantry and then went armor because I found out it was better to ride around than to walk. Cool. And Derek, you're you're our Marine. Hoorah! Yeah, and uh, sorry, I didn't get any pictures. I was like, it's the Rona. I wasn't. I wasn't looking. <laughs> I wasn't Rona looking. <laughs> I couldn't find any pictures, and I was just like, oh, if I found pictures, I'm gonna have to like scan them or take them on my iPhone. It was a whole mess. So, uh, but yeah, and it was also like as as Ralph said, it feels like it was it was an, another lifetime because I was in the Marines from 90 to 94 active duty uh and then you know uh, in active reserve for another four years after that where i was toying with going back in but i was i got out to go to college um and i was gonna i wanted to go back in because i was with the f-18 squadron at the time and i was like oh, i'm gonna be a fighter pilot and then you know but about six weeks after walking on campus i was like no nah, i'm done <laughs> it's like <laughs> i was like no i don't i don't want to do this anymore um but uh, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, I was pencil pusher, 0151 admin and with a with a splash of working in an S2 as a CMC. And, but but for the most part, it was like, I, I knew early on that I was not wanting to pursue a life of being in the military. Um, it was just like, I, it was, but it was cool. That was like, uh, like I said, it was with the F-18 squadron, so. It adds its ups and downs, but at the same time, I was like, I, there was so much more that I wanted to do and pursue. Uh, never, never in a million years believing, you know, knowing that I was going to end up where I am now today. But I knew that I wanted to do something else. And where he is today, he is a veteran writer producer. Most recently, he was co-executive producer on Arrow for the CW. So, huh. which I thought you all stuck the landing for the final season. I just thanks. Thought, I don't know if it was the reduced episode order or just the t the crisis tie-in, but it just everything felt tight, and you just rocketed through toward the end. Well, it's always easier to not easier. I said that it's less challenging when you're writing ten episodes versus twenty-two episodes, right? So most of the twenty-two episodes, you can always find three or four that feel like you're just spinning your wheels, and you're just like there's so much just fat that you could just trim off, right? And and uh, in 10 episodes is like every, you have to make every story count. And we knew exactly where Oliver Queen was going to end up by the, by the end, if not exactly where it was, but we knew that he had a journey and it also had a tie in with crisis on infinite earths. And he had a very big pivotal role in that. So that had, so, you know, being able to, you know, figure all that stuff out, it made it be able to uh, tell stories that actually matter. And the way that we looked at it was we wanted to be a love letter to the fans, right? This was like, for everybody that stuck around for these eight seasons, this is a love letter, the thank you to the fans. And then I always say that last episode is like a thank you actually to Arrow itself. And that's that's what we did. It was great to see some of the characters who were uh, killed in previous seasons. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was always like, you know, let's spin the wheel and see who would happen. Because like, you know, a showrunner, Beth Schwartz, uh, you know, she had a very, you know, certain, you know, a very like clear idea of like what she wanted to do. Mark Guggenheim was still, you know, consulting on it. And so he would come in and they, you know, they work it out. 
but uh, you know, the writers, everybody, we were like, how about that person? Can we bring that person in and wipe them out? <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> the, the, like, especially like when it was leading up to crisis and like, man, anything goes, let's, let's do it. Cause it's all going to be rebooted. So <laughs> like I, Hollywood. I realized I forgot to tell people what I did when I was in the Navy. I was a surface warfare officer. 1110 was my designator. Ship driver, so much fun. Sail to exotic places. Meet exciting people. Yeah. Can I say that all of y'all, you got some badass professions up in here. I was just, like I said, I was pushing that pencil. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was, uh, you guys, uh, hats off to you guys. Uh, some hardcore warriors up in here. Let's get to the geeky stuff. Josh, what was your gateway drug? Uh, Spider-Man, hands down. Uh, every day when I was younger, came home to school, watched Spider-Man, the 1993. Like, I think that was the best series. And I just watched all those and just I dove deeper into comics, uh, Marvel, DC, then I went anime. And my buddy Kyle, he got me into gaming. And now I'm doing... I do more of that than anything now. It's just even after like a 12 hour shift, I come home, log onto my uh, PlayStation, start gaming with some guys I've never met. We play Call of Duty for hours. So then I went and did the same thing the next day. So if it wasn't for like stumbling upon Spider Man and comics, I went, I would have made some of the friends I did. Ned, how about you? Um, gateway drug, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously, you know, I, I guess with the, with the Spider-Man, you know, I, I grew up with, um, you know, great shows like X-Men and, and Batman the Animated Series, and that was uh, a huge influence for me. You know, from there, you, you want to go, you, you know, take your, your allowance and go to the comic shop and, uh, and, and get into it and, and, and experience it through that medium. So comics have always been there for me. I would say um, around that time also, um, you know, I got my I got my Star Wars models behind me and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm wearing my Defiant shirt because, you know, I it, I came of age during, yeah, I would say the golden age of Trek. You know, when there were three shows that were near consecutive, there were movies. Uh, I was going to conventions, you know, and, you know, with my dad and, and you know, saving my money and stuff like that and, and, and hanging out, uh, you know, with the... the my con guests and stuff and things were a little different back then but that was that was it for me uh star trek very early on um and uh if you if you don't mind just real quick i got over here since i did have two of my 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 crew members you know because we we met with uh with the cosplay uh bob and hey. and tom just uh, just real quick uh oh <laughs> i because i frame things we do our photo shoots so uh, this might look familiar. Um, so there's there's Bob, and um, there's uh, me, and um, my wife, and several of our friends, and of course uh, there's there's Tom right there. So wow, that was y'all are that was nerds. Us. That was, that was us a nerds. good day. <laughs> there's actually there's actually a story. Um, I don't know. I, I'm assuming everybody's familiar with with Next Generation. We were actually sitting at Dragon Con in a bar, all in costume, and we decided we were going to play poker. And so we started playing poker, and people just came up starting to watch us just play poker. 
because it was the bridge the bridge crew was right. playing there. Right, the that's great. <laughs> so, Bob, yes. what, was your, what was your gateway drug for fandom? Oh, man, see, now I'm going to be the old guy here um, because when I was five years old living in Maryland, I came home from school every every afternoon and watched uh, Adam West as uh, in the now it was it was reruns it wasn't first run but it was Adam West as Batman was my very first um, introduction into any sort of superhero comicdom or anything like that and uh, then not too terribly long after that because my dad was actually career Air Force uh, we moved to Hickam Air Force Base. And uh, I started watching uh, Kamen Rider and uh, Power Rangers and the other direct from Japan uh, Sente shows. So um, that was kind of that was kind of my introduction into anything. And then, of course, um, you know, living on a military base, it wasn't easy to get comic books um, regularly. Just you happen to go to the PX and whatever happened to be there um, is what you read. <laughs> so um, I don't know if anybody else besides me remembers the great big dollar comics that were that mm -hmm. were big, you know, master issues that had Jack uh, Kirby stuff that jet had stuff back from uh, back from the 40s and the 50s. And then they'd also have stuff from the 70s. And um, so, yeah, that was pretty much. And then a lot of uh, original series Star Trek reruns in the <laughs> afternoon. Right on. Derek, what was your gateway drug? Well, it's very similar to Bob in a very weird way. I was also a military brat, but I'm also half Japanese, so it's in my DNA, anime, <laughs> you know, Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, but growing up in Japan, so I, you know, I was exposed to Sentai, you know, Kamen Rider, uh, you know, Gorinja. It's like uh, at a very early age, way before you know Ham Sabine <laughs> got to hold his yep, hands on yep. him. And, and, and like by the time I got there, it was like, this ain't, what's this is Power Rangers shit, you know? It's like, what is this? Uh, that, but you know, it's like, so I think uh, I always say my very first sort of comic book that I was exposed to was actually a Spider-Man. It was on a spinner rack in a barbershop inside the BX. Uh, and it was, and I, and I actually was able to track it down over at Earth 2 Comics. So I was able to get a, a hold of the comic and I, and oh, I yeah. have it now. <laughs> and it's like it, it it's like it's not a special issue of it and it's like i think it's like you know the cover if i could grab it it would be like you know the beware the white dragon or and it's like spider-man who's he's being suspended you know it's chained up and suspended over like a vat of molten metal and but it was just something about that that just captured me and so then i picked it you know convinced my dad like you know to buy it <laughs> and then i bought it and then it was just from there it just you know transformed it was like i was just devouring everything from that and then and then what really sort of turned the corner was like getting my hands on, a, on an x-men comic book and that was like where it was just the level of storytelling it was a crit it was during the chris claremont run uh and i think maybe it was dave cochran at the time uh but again it was one particular issue where it was uh lady deathbird stab colossus through the chest wow. and he's he's bleeding out and and the x-men are like you know holding on to peter as he's bleeding out and the thing is a shadow appears because the star jammer ship appears above manhattan right and it's huge 
And it was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. Then I had to backtrack because that was like my first X-Men issue. And I was like, what's going on? Who are these characters? What's going on? So then I, you know, started looking back and I was like, oh my, there's like hundreds of issues before this. And it started looking and all that. Uh, but then the other half of it, you know, for television wise was like original Star Trek, watching it with my dad in the afternoon. Uh, in, you know, when I was in Okinawa and stuff and, and just being transported away from there. And then also catching it. And I think it was like not, it wasn't PBS. I don't know. It was like the equivalent of PBS, but uh, old episodes of Doctor Who. Because my mom, but I, but in my young brain, I thought it was just a sci-fi space, uh, I mean, soap opera. Because they had the same look. My mom would be watching General Hospital. Then I changed the channel. And then there's this old Doctor Who. But it also looked like General Hospital, except there were aliens in it. <laughs> so, was, that, was that the Tom Baker year? I think it might have been the Tom Baker years. Um, definitely, it just had that sort of like old school quality to it. Like when they were on a set, you could tell that they were like on a set, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so that, you know, that was, that that confused my brain. But then Buck Rogers, you know, all the sort of like shows, the, the original Battlestar Galactica. And then it just like, the, but it was just infused into my DNA at such an early age. Uh, and I got the best of both worlds of anime and, and American entertainment and genre. So. Cool. Ralph, how about you? Um, yeah, I'm a little older too. So a lot of the same things that Derek and, and Bob mentioned, it was uh, for sure the Adam West Batman show. I had a Viewmaster that was like a Batman. Yeah. <laughs> one of those that was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would watch that all the time. And then spinner racks were, you know, I'd never, I didn't see a comic book shop until probably like I was 13 or 14. So it was all spinner racks at drugstores and probably the first one. Yeah. 7-Eleven. <laughs> the first one that I remember really uh, picking up, I, it was like an issue of ROM. I remember like very distinctly where he sent somebody to limbo and it freaked me out as a little kid. And then uh, an issue of Green Lantern where um, I was like learning how to read by through comic books. And I asked, there was a backup feature with the Green Lantern Corps, but I asked my mom what corpse meant, and she said a dead body. So the whole time I was reading it, <laughs> I was thinking it was about I that it was like a dead green lantern yeah. or something. But yeah, it was yeah. it was definitely that era. That same stuff, you know. The the first Superman film with Christopher Reeves was the first movie I can remember seeing in the theater. My dad took me there, and then it's but ever since then it was um those old Power Records, you know, forty fives that came yes. with like a little book that you'd listen yep. to like the forty five mm -hmm. and read along, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Star Wars, of course, Star was like Wars. massive. Yeah. Yeah. Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica. Also, Derek, I, I was going to say, I dig your Bionic 6 background there. <laughs> Great Goals. show. Yeah. Uh, like some of the others, I, I was a child of the 60s, so I watched Adam West Batman when it was actually on <laughs> broadcast <laughs> twice a week for the first few seasons. But when you're a little kid watching Batman, you want to be Robin, not Batman. That's why Dick Grayson is still my favorite character. And uh, that Star Trek scared the crap out of me as a kid. And ironically, I ended up you know, working at Paramount on Star Trek licensed properties and writing a book about it for my doctoral thesis. And uh, what else? Oh, and, and the, the 60s Spider-Man with the cartoon theme, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, mm -hmm. which every mm -hmm. movie it seems to put their own spin on that theme song, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a little bit more uh, serious question. I'll start with Bob. How did military service prepare you for your civilian career? You know, 
that that's that's actually a, an interesting question because um i and i ended up with with one of those one of those um experiences where the things that i learned to do really didn't have a practical um you know practical application to everyday life i remember in 1989 i was um i was deployed from berlin to belgium to uh do um uh combat or, or urban combat training with uh the belgian army and uh because that was berlin's uh, primary mission was was urban um urban protection so you can't really translate you know molotov cocktails into um into everyday life but um i'm gonna now i'm gonna sound like an army commercial because i think what the biggest thing for me was um through my experiences you know gaining confidence in myself and and doing things that if you had told me i was going to do at some point i would have said that's you know that's crazy and so the the more i did things like that the more in a real in you know in the regular world, I would look at something and I'd say, yeah, we can do that. Or yeah, we can make that happen. Just a matter of, um, you know, just a matter of planning and execution. So yeah, to me, I think that's the biggest thing um, for me is the, is how it, how it, you know, continued to build my confidence in myself and the things I can do. Right on. Josh, how about you? Uh, I was a security forces, uh, military police, I did that and coming out, I did the police academy, graduated a couple of years ago. Um, and it just helped me build confidence, build um, discipline and pretty much find out I can do this. And if something gets thrown in my way, I, I can find a way around it. Even if it scares, scares me half to death, I know I can still push through it. I know as someone to my left, to my right, even if you don't have someone there, um, it's like when you're in the military, you have all your brothers and sisters around you to back you up and coming out doing law enforcement, same thing. You have your brothers and sisters around you. And even if they aren't around you, you know, you can call them and they'll show up and fight for you tooth and nail. Uh, but it really built my discipline. It helped me grow up really quick because I joined right when I was 18, um, graduated high school, went straight in, and I had to learn really quick. And sometimes it's learning hard, like get hit in the face and like get up, brush it off, keep going forward. And I took a lot away from that. And when I see situations that some of my friends get in and say, and dealt with this, like, hey, calm down, think about it, and move on. And if you can't move on, work through it. And I'm here for you. And uh, I've figured if you just bring your close friends into that family group, because my friends are, aren't my friends, they're my family. I do anything to protect them, they do anything to protect me. And I learned that while I was in the military. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but other than that, just how to keep pushing through during the hard times and celebrate the good times. Right on. Ned, what did, what did the Army teach you that, to help prepare for civilian life? Um, well, I've been, uh, you know, I've been 
if you consider my time as a cadet and everything, you know, most of my, you know, teenage and adult life, it's just been leadership. Um, I commissioned and then I had my, my time uh, active duty and then reserve and my civilian job, you know, I transitioned into operations management. Uh, you know, I worked uh, my second company uh, working at a distribution center. Um, so I've always, and I lead people and um, I lead the departments um, in, you know, in the warehouse. So, um, you know, it's always been people. And, um, you know, I think that the, the, the army for me specifically, and it's, it's, it's training program for young leaders, uh, officers. Um, it was, uh, I mean, the best, you know, school I could have gone to for uh, leadership in anything, you know, I mean, I, you know, you go from leading troops, you know, in a combat zone uh, to, you know, every night I work with, you know, typically little old ladies, but, you know, it gives you, you, you learn how to deal with people and flexibility and understanding, you know, how to get the, the most out of individuals, no matter who they are. So that was, that was really helpful for me. Right on. Ralph, how about you? Um, <clears throat> I did everything kind of backwards. I joined when I was like 34. So I was the oldest guy in my platoon and <laughs> I'd already had plenty of, <laughs> Did they call you grandpa? <laughs> What's that? Did they call you grandpa? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was like older than most of my drill sergeants and I, wow. I um, yeah, it was a trip, but it, I, and I'm still in, you know, in the reserve. So for me, it's, it, there's a lot of um, everything that you take away from the army, the same things that the other guys have said too. It's you, you develop this very tight brotherhood and, you know, brother and sisterhood and you um, learn how to uh, just sort of make things happen. And my civilian job, I'm a high school teacher, uh, I teach English at a continuation school. So a lot of the kids are um, there for discipline issues or for, you know, various other things that, that sort of cause them to go a little astray. So I think the army experience is the same way that you lead your soldiers, um, you lead these kids and they're not that far off in age from some of the soldiers that, you know, I, I serve with. So it's very similar. It's, you know, you just, you show respect and you get respect back and it, there's a lot of crossover between the two, I think. Derek, how did the Marine Corps help you prepare for Hollywood? It didn't, man. It's crazy, man. It didn't shoot me anything. I'm still <laughs> out of it. It's all out of control. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anything like everybody else, I think the one thing it definitely, but also I had already had that instilled in me again, having a father that was military. My dad was career Air Force, right? 28 years in the Air Force. So there's already a level of discipline expected, you know, raising, you know, two kids that you're, that's beaten into you. <laughs> like, you know, that you're sort of, uh, so that by the time that when I went into into the core for the you know boot camp, I already and, and also being an athlete, so that discipline was already a part of me. And then what the Marine Corps just did was like hone that even more so. But I think also the other thing was leadership skills, right? Because you know it's like being a squad leader on your platoon, um, and then just being you know being able to sort of learn how to assess situations, like as as Josh was saying that nothing would you know nothing quite phases you in a way that is like okay i'm not you're always sort of like you're 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 always prepared even when you're you're not <laughs> so it's, it's it's weird it's weird it's it's like only people that gone you know that have been in the military can understand that right that there was or that we're always in in the back that we can turn on that switch and be in a situation that situational awareness uh in an instant 
that other people will take, you know, has to take a moment to sort of like figure, figure things out. But we're always like, you know, there's, there's like the, uh, I guess the easy example would be like, if we go someplace, we never have our back to the door, right? They always just like, and the people are like, what, you know, what's that about? And it's like, oh, that's just something that we just, you just know that I feel uncomfortable if my back is to the door. As much as I trust you sitting across from me, it's like at the same time, if something goes down, I I now have to rely upon you. And and it's like a part of that's like I want to rely on you, but at the same time, I know that I can rely on myself more than anything else in this situation. So let please let me sit there with my wall with my back on the against the wall type of thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh I think that, you know, in 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 now in in being you know where I am as a producer and writer again, using uh, the, the leadership skills that I that I've developed from being in the military, you can apply in being a producer of uh, and being a showrunner. You know, running 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 a room, it's like there's there's a, a there's a bit of a, of a parallel there and stuff. So uh, this just I, I think you know there's there's stuff subconsciously that is just in me that I think that I, you know, believe that I may have forgotten, but then when you find yourself in some sort of moment, you're like, oh yeah, I can draw upon that. That's a, and I think that's, that's sort of a, a relief as much, you know, sometimes as much as hell that you've gone through <laughs> and the things that you're like, oh, I never want to do that ever again. I never want to be a part of that experience ever again. But at the same time, you're also forever appreciative. I'd agree with many of you that leadership skills are probably the biggest thing I took away from my 11 years in the Navy. Uh, specifically in academia, I was department chair of cinematic arts at my university for six mm -hmm. and a half years. And probably the biggest lesson about leadership I learned from the military is as a leader, your job is to care, take care of your people mm -hmm. and also make your boss look good. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times in my 21 years of academia that people can't figure out that you gotta do both of those be a mm -hmm. successful leader so oh, yeah. and whenever i went to a you know a training session about leadership i just sat there it's like right i've been in the, I've been in the combat zone before what are you teaching me you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, i want to give a shout out to a, a buddy of mine and derek knows him too jason inman who couldn't be here with us today he is showrunner's assistant for a cbs television series but he wrote a really cool book called Super, Super Soldiers, where he examines uh, 16 comic book characters and, who, are, who are veterans and talks about the history of the character and also puts a little bit of, bio, of Jason's biography when he was serving in Iraq. It's a terrific read, so I highly recommend it. It's called Super Soldiers. You can grab it on Amazon. And also he hosts an, uh, an annual comic drive for soldiers each November for Operation Gratitude. Last year's goal was to send 15,000 comic books to US military stationed overseas, injured veterans recovering in hospitals, as well as family members back home. And Jason's drive ex exceeded that goal. They collected 27,000 comic books, wow. which is awesome. They- uh, it, does, that, does that still exist, by the way? Because I, I saw that, that blurb. And does that, is that still an ongoing thing? Because I have like, boxes and boxes of comics because you know every Wednesday I bid my comics and they just pile up and I was able to just like give them to my friends kids but I've been doing it for so long that now they're in college <laughs> it's like you know and so I don't have any place else to 
Last year was the fifth oh, annual, right. and he should be doing it again this November. So, okay. yeah, he partnered with several local comic book shops, and it was it took three vehicles to get all the donations to Operation Gratitude. Wow, so, that's awesome. Um, we're gonna merge the two together: the pop culture and our military service. What's your favorite pop culture portrayal of the armed forces? And oh. answer in whatever order you feel fit. <laughs> Colonial Marines. Yeah. <laughs> Own oh, aliens? Yeah. yeah. Game over, man. <laughs> I miss Bill Paxton. Oh. <laughs> Any others? That's a good one. Warhammer 40,000. Is that a video game? Uh, it's, a, it's a tabletop game. It's miniatures based, but the lore uh, is based, sort of focuses heavily around the Space Marines who are. Of the Imperium of Man. It's, Wait, uh, how do you not written. know Warhammer, Thomas? <laughs> like what? The what college is... professor. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm Warhammer. Just, I'm just. It's not some obscure little thing. Warhammer is humongous. I've heard of oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we you got a... some. I got some homework. We have a question from Gamer to Life. Um, they're they're wondering if anybody plays with Atari. You mean like the old school Atari? Like the That's 2600? What I'm That's what I was saying. 2600 was my jam back then. Right? That, that was the Asteroids. Asteroids. Asteroids, Adventure, yeah. Yars, yeah. Revenge, which I had nothing to, to do with the pirates. Indiana Jones game <laughs> and have the soundtrack on, and the graphics were terrible. Yes. Oh, E.T., right? I mean, they did a whole oh, documentary E.T. about that, of like how horrible that game was. <laughs> I don't know what it is about licensed video games. They're, they're just starting to break the curse nowadays. Oh boy! It took thirty uh, years. <laughs> any other any other great military pop culture portrayals? Um, I'll uh, I mean, since since we're talking about that and forty k, so I do um a very similar game uh with uh, Star Wars Legion, and so here's oh yeah, you know, so I, I paint all these and stuff like that. It's a really fun game to play as well on the tabletop, you know, and it's a very similar to forty k. So uh, it just got me thinking of you know, since it's relevant, since the show just wrapped up. Uh, Clone Wars. Uh, Clone Wars was, it's huge for me because, I mean, they got so many things so right. And, you know, when you, you think about why you like certain fandoms, like, you know, oh, well, you know, superheroes, especially, it's a power fantasy. You want you want to have that power. You want to be Green Lantern, um, you know, and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But with, with Clone Wars, you know, with every single thing they did, part of it, the theme was, it was a loyalty fantasy. You want the, you want the bonds that are forged uh, between, you know, Ahsoka and Rex, uh, all of the clones, you know, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka, Anakin and Rex. Um, so that, you know, of course, being a Jedi and being powerful, of course, the power fantasy is there, but, you know, it's a loyalty fantasy. You know, you, you want to hope that there are people out there that have your back the way that those folks uh, in that show did, the heroes of that show. So that, to me, like, it really resonated, you know, with me, with the clones. You know, movie which was was which was a terrible movie because I always felt like it was missing a third act. But every time I watch it, I'll still watch it no matter. Anytime it's on, is Battle Los Angeles, oh. and it's just like because the camaraderie of the soldiers in there and the brotherhood, and then but you know how they also question Aaron Eckhart's of like how they feel like that you know he did the most you know disloyal thing which was like he let his their brothers get killed in in, in battle 
And then, you know, but then the turnaround is like when he says like, no, I, you know, I did everything I could and I live with that, you know, that guilt and that loss. And then he starts rattling off everybody's social security number, you know, for the dog <laughs> tags. And he knows every single one because it's seared in his brain, you know, and then all of a sudden all the soldiers like, holy shit, this guy is one of us. You know, it's like, it's just like such a cool movie, but it was just so frustrating because I was like, this is like two acts of a movie. Like, where's the third act? They yeah. just like yeah, we're we're done. We ran out. <laughs> it's like, but it was I think still. Just but like it that was because it makes the Marines look better than the Army in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> oh, lucky! It's hard for Air Force to get a good name because we're always playing the background. Uh, I mean, oh no, I'm, you know Michael Bay likes the Air Force. Michael Bay loves the Air Force. Like in every one of the Transformers, it will be shots. Oh yeah, they're there, like, but they're like, oh, start the plane. I mean, that was my job. <laughs> I, I think I liked uh, Iron Man, the original number, the, Iron Man number one, because yeah. Air Force played a big role, like a bigger role in most movies, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and I just loved Iron Man for that reason that they implied implied all the um, you all the branches, but Air Force was probably one of the leads. In my opinion, and no one said Starship Troopers. Well, I was gonna say, <laughs> well, you know what, Starship. I, I love a Starship Troopers. It's like it is crazy, and but you know, there's still it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, honestly, yeah. The they made four love, of them now. Honestly, the reason I love Starship Troopers is Clancy Brown. Uh huh. Clancy Brown's oh, the man. Huge Clancy yeah. Brown fan, and so you know him as the drill sergeant was was he's uh yeah he's like the 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 best drill sergeant after R L Emery. yeah my my issue with starship troopers the movie is that verhoeven and company completely subvert what heinlein intended with the book and oh yeah absolutely but if you if you weren't if you weren't familiar with the book it was like as an adaptation yeah as a screenwriting professor i cry foul because that's not (laughs) cool that's just not cool to do that to the source material uh the new battle the newer battlestar galactica is i think one of my well yeah that was going to be my next one and uh brad thompson and david weddle's fathers uh two of the writers on that their fathers were both uh, World War II veterans, so they usually mm-hmm. do the military-heavy episodes. And Ron mm-hmm. Moore himself had been in ROTC in college. And so. I was going to say Star Trek with the new Space Force coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up, it's hey, well, there was a, there was a show in the in the what was it the late '90s? Remember, it was uh, Space Above and Beyond. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that was also awesome. In a way, and it was really sort of like, okay, this is this is a cool way to depict the military in the future. Yeah, I'm curious what the new Netflix series, the um, Space Force, is going to be with uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, yeah. That one, <laughs> that one looks funny, but just think now, doing. people will make fun of Space Force instead of Air Force being for being the young armed forces. <laughs> yeah, see, finally, have somebody to pick on. <laughs> I just I feel like a comedy about the military is innately going to be more accurate to my experience anyway than a drama. Hey man, yeah. and stripes. Yeah. I still love stripes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I most of us watched The Mandalorian. I mean the two oh. um, uh-huh. the, the two stormtroopers in oh, that Cara, Cara Yeah, the shock troop the shock <laughs> troopers. Yeah, like those two guys were just standing there, just waiting. Oh yeah, yeah, for waiting for to something do. to happen. Yes, and they just try yeah. like shoot at stuff, and they're missing, which is you know, because they're stormtroopers. And right. that team went around saying, "This is the most accurate portrayal of my life in the military that I've ever seen." 
Until they punch Baby Yoda. Until then, yes. <laughs> Ralph, I have a question for you from Jim. What was it like designing Borgs for working on those Borg costumes for First Contact? Well, it, so I didn't do any of the actual design work itself. Um, mostly what I did was go out in a swelteringly hot parking lot with two very noxious uh, buckets of um, foam, polyurethane foam, and just pour it into a giant mold and and make just crank them out. It it was it was fun. It was a great project to work on because um, I was always a huge Star Trek fan, especially the OG you know original series, and um, so it was cool to be a part of it. Uh, but it, for the most part, my my uh, time and effects was it. I mean, I'm sure anybody that's worked in the industry, it's just so like so fast paced and hectic that there's such crunch time that you don't really experience it until it's afterwards when you like look back on it. So for most of uh, most of my experience with that was just sitting there mixing up tons of buckets of polyfoam and pouring them into molds and then cranking them out, putting latex in, pouring foam and just doing that day in and day out for a couple of weeks until it was done. How long would it take to fabricate one costume? Uh, that's a good question. It probably, I think I was getting like, maybe like three or four a day. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fast. So, so basically you were, you were, you were doing grunt work. You were prepared for it. The military helped prepare you for grunt work. Well, it like prepared me for the military. It was like, yeah, the combination of that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Being in punk bands, like, you know, touring in a van and sleeping in horrible conditions, uh, just made everything like everything in the army was like a standard of living upgrade from there so that's another trait that like people don't understand it's like when uh you know like if i'm on set i'm like all right i'm gonna take a i'm gonna go in this corner and go to sleep people are like how can you yeah. sleep with all this sounds like when it's time to sleep i gotta sleep it's like i'll sleep when I, i'll sleep underneath this chair right now it's like yeah. uh, that's something that you know that okay i every every minute is precious and if i'm getting an opportunity i'm gonna take advantage of that yeah, Definitely. a corner of a wall is very comfortable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's the one thing. Everybody in the military, you know, it's like the one of the most valuable life skills you get is how to sleep anywhere at any time mm -hmm. <laughs> in any position. Right? <laughs> Even marching. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right. Lightning round. If you could recreate the famous VJ Day Times Square kiss with the sailor and... Mm -hmm. mm. What what uh, fandom character would it be from any you know comic book, movie, TV, film? Well, the the problem with that is like in light of like the new you know <laughs> revelation that that wasn't a consensual kiss. Let's Ooh. let's uh, let's uh, let's let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's uh let's clear the air there first, okay. right? If you could in, in a world where a consensual, consensual <laughs> kiss. <laughs> Captain America, Black Widow. Yeah, mm. they kind of did it in the in the very intro to uh, Watchmen. There's that little scene where yeah, yeah uh, sil sil uh, it was a silhouette and silk specter. Uh, yeah, silk specter. Or no, yeah. silhouette and and a nurse and, 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 and a nurse. And yeah, and a nurse. nurse. Yeah, yeah. And a, apparently, it was supposed to be the nurse from the photo. Right. Oh, yeah. Because oh, wow. because the way they filmed it, the sailor was walking past, and silhouette walked in front of him. And kiss huh. the, the nurse. Yeah. So I only know that because I watched it like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part of the movie. This <laughs> is that opening <laughs> sequence. <laughs> mm -hmm.
Another until they, until they, until they release the the Schneider cut. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know there is a Schneider cut of Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give, give me give me those eight hours. It's four, it's only four. Don't exaggerate. <laughs> Alan Moore will still hate it. <laughs> yeah. Alan right. Moore hates everything. <laughs> He's like the Mikey of the stuff he's written. Yeah, yeah, you can't please that guy. <laughs> Another lightning round question. If you fought in the Avengers Battle of New York, what would you have, what would your role have been? Well, Ralph and I would probably have to do messaging and just clear the civilians out of the way. Um, yeah, yeah, and then, I don't know, maybe one of us would get a chance to sit down and, you know, have a nice conversation trying to win over somebody from the other side, but... <laughs> right. That might not have worked too well in that setting. Yeah. I think I think at best I'm that cop that Captain America gave orders to. <laughs> and, and and just okay, yeah, you, you got it. Let me I'll go over here and I'll tell these folks to go this mm -hmm. way and follow me. You know, whatever you say, sir. That's about uh, that's about me. Yeah. That's it, some sort of security or uh sharpshooter. I did that uh, a little bit. For in the Air Force, I'd, I'd probably be the shawarma guy. <laughs> you stole my idea. <laughs> True story. I had never heard of shawarma before Avengers One. So my buddy Brian Morton and I went. Out I believe it because you never heard of Warhammer until today. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, the shade, the shade. <laughs> The yeah, Marines are supposed to have the Navy's back, Derek. <laughs> uh, the stuff Tom knows, he knows very well. I got to yeah. go that. Absolutely. If you Tom any question about Star Trek, he'll have an answer for you. Yes, because they, they Sharma didn't exist in the 23rd century. <laughs> <laughs> How can we, can any are any of you on social media to be reached by our audience? Uh, yeah, um, on Instagram, it's. Uh, Ray Ray 8621. I also do uh, streaming on Twitch, and uh, I think my Twitter is the same as my Instagram. But Facebook is just my name. Cool. Yep, same thing. Facebook, Bob Mask, and and yes, my name is actually Mask. I thought you were a fan of Mask, the TV series. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> well, um, my, well, Armor Strike Command. <laughs> My name is unfortunately also uh, Michael Cox, um, but uh, you can reach me Michael Cox 1984 at uh, on uh, Instagram. I'm rarely on Facebook, but I'm Ralph Love on there. But I'm in uh, makeup for my band, so it's easier to find if you scroll through all the <laughs> Ralph Loves. You can find a guy in like skull face paint. <laughs> Derek, I saw what your Twitter handle is. It's kind of unique. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I have at Tonga, which is fairly straightforward um, for this. And I've also got one that's a kind of an obscure C.S. Lewis reference that I use for like more personal stuff, but I don't even give it out here. I would be able to remember how to spell it. Okay. <laughs> and Derek Hughes? Uh, at D Blackanese on Twitter and Instagram. That's the easiest way to follow. And I like I'm you were talking to that, Derek, because his, his handle is actually very cool. <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> I'm at Tom Dave L A T H O M D A V E L A. Well, thanks guys for joining us today for this special uh, episode of the Con Guy, and y'all have a great, safe Memorial Day weekend. 
and thanks for your service. No, thank you. Thank, thank you, everyone. You. And thank you, everybody who's watching. Thank you for your service out there. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Thanks for being thanks, here, everybody. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.